Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hey, hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex podcast. I'm Shelly and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how are you? Shelly, Shelly. So uh, last night I was listening and catching up to the Chad and Cheese podcast and caught up to one of our old guests, Matt Wedge mm. on the firing squad promoting, not Matt Wedge, sorry. <laughs> What's Matt's last name? Baxter. Matt Baxter. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, Matt. If you're listening, his company is Wedge. Wedge so Matt yes. Baxter. Yes. Wedge, not Wedgie. Just not Wedgie. Wedge. Yeah. They not were pretty wedgie. clear Just about wedge. that. <laughs> And it's funny because Chad commented that he must have PTSD after being on and, and feeling your rat. But I thought he did really well overall. I love the shout out at the end. He's like, I got prepared by Shelly and Serge. In my mind, I'm like, no, you got prepared by Shelly. I was just Aww. there as an audience <laughs> member. But what yeah. did you think of that? Yeah, I listened to it as well. And at one point I cringed because I didn't think I was that Yes, I, I think I asked him some tough questions and I had high expectations that the founder of a company, it's not like they just started last month, would have some good answers for me. And I was really surprised that he got, I think he got a round of applause, like two thumbs up from both Chad and, and Joel. So what surprised me about that was that I didn't really hear anything that innovative. And the other thing is that they usually have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about people that have never actually worked in the talent acquisition space and never actually been a practitioner. So I was really surprised. So I thought, geez, I wonder if he sent them a bottle of bourbon or something. No, I wasn't surprised uh, because I've used a lot of these one-way video interviewing tools. And I think in reality, there is more than one doing it. And I'm actually leveraging a a competitor of his. But what's unique about him has been his approach to the market. He's been able to get, what, $1.5 in funding? I love his strategy for SMB. The ATS he has focused on integrating with, he didn't go with the, the regular ones. So he didn't go with smart recruiters, iSIMs. He really focused on ATS and the SMB space. And that might be a space that he can gather a lot of clients yeah. really quickly. So I think yeah. overall good strategy. I think he's a really smart guy, even though you... I disagree with the one-way interviewing. I I think we can both agree that he's done a really good job with this business. He's grown it quickly. I think he's getting really good traction. So I was not surprised he got double from Chad and Cheese. He probably sent him a bottle of bourbon before, but uh, it it was (laughs) funny to, uh, to get your shout out a couple of times on that show after our show. Yeah, I think I really liked Joel's kind of closing point, And that was, this is a big wave. And there's a lot of business out there to be had. So yes, you've got the big boys like the Zoom. Indeed has a video link as well now and that sort of thing. But But those are are two-way video interviewing tools, which are completely different. So on the one-way space, they are attached to enterprise accounts. And I think there's enough business out there. Because I think the greatest, probably the easier to get approval on spending is small to medium sized companies. If you're bringing tools that will help, they're more likely to um, adopt. So So congrats, Matt, if you're listening. 
Congrats to you. We wish you yeah. all the best. You'll have to come back on at one particular point so we, we can deep dive even further. But uh, congratulations. <laughs> Shelly, sure. what are our topics today? What do yes. you want to talk about? So there's a few things that, that I want us to talk about. LinkedIn, specifically the LinkedIn recruiter product and their new strategy. So I want to chat a little bit about that. And I also want to talk about some tips for talent acquisition people in terms of timing. I'm calling it be first or don't bother. And then last of all, I want to yuck around a little bit about some of the absolute bullshit job titles I've seen lately and just yuck around those. So let's so head dive. ninja is not a real job title? <laughs> no, I have you... some theories. So I, I want you and I to discuss it and see what you think about my theory as to like why companies do that. Perfect. So let's dive into what's going on over at LinkedIn. I know a few months ago, I had seen some of the LinkedIn products where, and it was really cool. I think I saw it on the Recruiting yep. Brain Food newsletter, where you could type in your skills and it would give you a list of other types of jobs where you would have maybe not a, the most obvious but your skills transfer really nicely to different types of jobs, things you may never have thought of. And so now LinkedIn Recruiter is now taking it a step further. They are presenting this to the marketplace as a new way for recruiters to find talent pools of pre-qualified people. Skill paths is what they were calling it. That is the tool where you can go in and say, this is my current job. And it will give you a list of other jobs that it would recommend for you. But they've tied this into the LinkedIn learning courses as well. Yeah. So if you're missing like maybe a few fine points, being able to go into and do some of the LinkedIn learning courses and help you learn the skills that you need to make you more viable. Here's the real kicker is if you've taken the skills and you can demonstrate the skills through their LinkedIn now skill assessments, they are guaranteeing you a conversation with a recruiter. Don't know how they're going to pull that off and who exactly that's going to be. It was rather vague, but I thought it was most interesting. So what do you think? Where do you think I'm happy that LinkedIn recruiter is actually doing something to move themselves forward? Because I think that product really needed some judge. Like mm. they hadn't really invested in that product for so long. How do you feel about it, Serge? I agree with you. I think there's one of the biggest challenge that we're seeing in the world of work is so we have overemployment and underemployment. So sectors like tech or, or creative really are struggling to find the right talent. And then we're looking at other sectors of the economy, like we've talked about that are, it's really tough to get a job. So looking at where the skills mm -hmm. are going to be a couple of years from now, or even now, and helping them get there and reskill is, is definitely a worthy cause and something that I truly happy LinkedIn is doing. I can see some challenges, but it's really interesting in the sense that Google has launched these free courses as well. That's pretty intense. If you want to be a UX designer, they have basically a UX design course that takes a certain amount of time and is no cost and really carries the weight of the Google branding and, and logo. If you've been certified by them, it, it does carry a good weight with a lot of organizations. So I think a lot of companies are trending towards the way that let's reskill the workforce and let's try to find a skill mismatch and align it. So I'm glad LinkedIn is doing it. But my thought is, 
are organizations ready for that? Like it, are hiring managers, I should say, ready for that as well? Because mm-hmm. I've had plenty of discussions with hiring managers with someone that has all the skills in the world, but maybe not the experience of that particular role. And they will not even consider unless that person has done that particular role for a certain amount of time. So I'm assuming this is a lot more for the entry level type of uh, type I think of roles. so I, yeah so what i think is interesting is they were drinking their own soup so linkedin claims that they they tried this first on their own customer service teams okay so what they did was they took out the requirement to have a degree and one to two years previous experience which when you think about it for customer service tell me why would you need a university degree to do that job that's that so Bravo for taking that out and drinking your own soup here. Well, um, question for you. Are those yeah. people that are would that this would be very beneficial to them? Are they on LinkedIn? Do you read my mind? Jesus. That is exactly what I was thinking. Because these skills would be like say retail, which we know has been hit brutally hard. Don't know if bricks and mortar is ever going to come back. Certainly store manager level, I would think they would have LinkedIn profiles. But when I look at their associates, that is those that were on the floor selling face-to-face with customers, would they have LinkedIn profiles? Yes, they've got some great skills. And if all they needed was to take the skill path and upskill themselves to show, hey, I can do this, this work, great. But I think the vast majority is going to be those that were food servers hospitality industry. And and so how many of those are on LinkedIn? So the great Well, think question. about it. If what they have think? an interest in reskilling, mm-hmm. shouldn't they be on LinkedIn anyways? That should be the first advice. If you're someone is a server and wants in, to go into a customer service role or more corporate type role, the first step they should do is, is join LinkedIn. That's where but the how would they know that? happening. Right? Like it's not the norm if you are in retail or food service or, and I'm talking about those customer facing, right? So if we keep yeah. this on a apples to apples here, like if you are looking for customer experience or doing it over the phone, the fact is if you have done a retail job or been a server, you know what it, what customer service is, right? Could you transition? I think the missing link is that those individuals may not even be aware that this exists because they their LinkedIn has traditionally always been white collar. Do you think that's safe to say? Well, I don't know. Like if you think about what's the, how many users does LinkedIn have now? I think it's, it's fairly high. It's over 500 million. Actually, I need to double check what those numbers are. So there, there is a larger and larger population that is on LinkedIn, even though they're maybe not the white collar. I, I'm definitely seeing it in, in the blue collar that, uh, especially on the, to your earlier point, on the supervisor, manager type level, they're usually in LinkedIn. That's pretty common. So it'll be interesting to really get a perspective of how many people are actually going to get hired from this. And if it actually does work, I don't know. And I'm thinking three, four test clients that they're basically testing this. And they're probably mm-hmm. very large corporations. Hence the reason they're guaranteeing they'll at least get an interview. So they have to have partners lined up to be able to do that because I'm not sure if they approach me that it'd be, yeah, sure, I'll interview these people even though they're probably not qualified for what I'm looking for. I I just don't have the time, but it depends on the size and scope of how much they're hiring. Mm -hmm. 
maybe makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the example they gave is with their skills path um, tool, a food server can find a customer service role, learn the skills that he or she may be lacking and get a call back. That's what they're promising. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, just like you, first thing that came to mind was food server. Would they have a LinkedIn profile? I think they're more likely to be on Indeed or some of the other job boards, but I don't know about LinkedIn, And that's, we'll see. It'll- I was just thinking about that. Who yeah. has yeah. the biggest chunk of job seekers? It's probably indeed overall, it, this would be something that just would seem that fits really well with what Indeed is trying to do, which is basically everything and seeing what sticks to the wall. So I wouldn't be surprised if this works, Indeed's gonna get on this bandwagon really quickly because uh, it makes sense. And as we know, a lot of these call centers and customer service, companies have a really hard time finding the people they need to be able to to fill the gaps. They do. And I think the the notion of being a food server, I think the 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 core skill that I don't know if you can actually teach people is being okay with not knowing what's going to happen next. Okay. So if you're working in a food service, anybody of the public can come in and expect to be fed and, and you wait on them. And there are certain types of people who can't deal with that uncertainty, which is why I think they transfer really well into customer service. But, you know, I think it's something I'm really going to keep an eye on. Yeah, let's, I let's am keep an eye on it. I'm dying to sure. see how this turns out for sure, for sure. Next topic, Serge, if you post a job, and, and so when we, I know you spent a lot of years in the job board industry, if a company posts a job and then doesn't even start to get back to people in three weeks. How do you think people feel about that? How do you think candidates feel about that? What I've, I think I've always believed that you need to be first. If you're going to post a job, you need to be back to them. Somebody applies. Four hours later, they get a call from you. How does that feel? Versus waiting three weeks. Yeah, it's interesting to see because talking to different organizations, there's still that there's still that perspective that okay, we'll post a job, and after 30 days, we're going to start evaluating all the candidates, and then we'll screen them. Then we'll put the top three candidates in front of the hiring manager. In reality, that does not work at all anymore. And I guess it depends on the sector, but I would say 95% of the sectors, that is just not efficient enough because. They have options. The market is pretty hot. So they're probably going to get a call from someone fairly quickly. I I just think it's a really stupid idea to wait any amount of time. If you see a candidate come in that fits the profile that you're looking for, jump on them right away. I I agree. They should get a call 10 minutes after they apply if they're really that great because it'll show you how engaged you are as a company and how quickly you can move. It will be a better candidate experience. But I'll tell you right now, I'm dealing in situations that candidates are getting six, seven interviews in a week. And if I'm not moving quickly, even after that first interview of scheduling the interview the next day, Mm -hmm. they're going quickly. And this is not only tech. I know I come from a background with tech, but I'm seeing this in basically every industry. I'm seeing that with payroll professionals. I'm seeing that with engineers. I'm seeing that with creative types. So in reality, you get an application that fits the profile. You should be calling them right away. Do you feel the same? Like in reality, or what are you seeing? Because I know you're recruiting and you're working in different sectors that mm-hmm. have different life cycles mm-hmm. than I do, mm-hmm. but it seems ridiculous to me to wait. Yeah. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. 
And I, I'm just going to speak my truth. Yeah, I believe that the only time this happens is when it's your HR business partner. And this is just one more thing sitting off the side of their desk. Yes. I think that's the only time this happens. No, not the only time. And to my brothers and sisters that are HR business partners, God bless you because you got enough on your plate and having a posting, I know exactly why you're going to tell the hiring manager, let's leave the posting open for three weeks and then we'll evaluate candidates. It's because you've got at least five weeks worth of work in front of you right now that you're not going to get to this. You're not. The other is union competitions. And I spent a number of years in a unionized environment. And and that was really intentional on my part, not one way or the other about the relationship with the union, but understanding that the whole idea behind union competitions, and even using that word, like I, it really sets a tone, doesn't it? Can you feel like, even when I call it like a competition, it really sets a tone. I have to say like looking around locally, there are some local union groups where the posting can only be up for a very short period of time and candidates must be responded to in seven days after the posting closes, but that's written right into their collective agreement. I don't think that's the norm. I don't. I think the, the norm is that the posting closes and then you go into a black hole. They owe you nothing. They never have to tell you anything and you never hear back. Like you just never know. I, I think that's the bottom line for me. Is what, what's it's, the bottom line that they never hear back or what's... Well, because you have, if the organization is asking their HR business partners to take this task on, it's impossible. We know even if you're in recruiting and you've got a great recruiting leader who balances workload, balances expectations, ensures that every hiring manager that comes to your desk or to your screen, what they have is most urgent to them. And I think a great talent acquisition leader can negotiate with, okay, so if you want me to take this on these six recruits, which one of these will I drop? Yeah, And if you've got nobody doing that sort of filtering for you, it is just continuously dumping stuff on people and expecting them to do it. Well, it's funny because when you say three weeks to call is most of the recs that I have come across my table as far as my recruitment team, I usually, the start date is usually seven days from now. And so my job (laughs) is actually setting and managing expectations of what actually how long it takes to get that particular skill set. Because sometimes hiring managers' expectations mm-hmm. are, are completely out of whack. And, and that happens in professional services all the time because they sold it to a client. We don't have the talent internally. So we need to go uh, get out the talent being like, the client wants it right away. Doesn't work like that. In reality, most people are going to give two yeah. weeks notice at least to get... And, and it's funny, the trying to get people to get interviewed by the same hiring manager is always the most challenging as well. I need them next week, but I can't interview people until two weeks from now. So I I don't even know what that means. I'm so reactive to candidates applying. The minute that I get a notification of a new candidate on a role, I'm looking at his profile right away. Yeah, I do not reject them right away. Usually, thank God for ATS functions that I can reject them in two days by reject them, just setting basically the calendar to reject them. So it doesn't look like I I did it right away the minute they applied. So it goes to your what you're saying here as far as never hearing back. I try not to for that to happen. Yeah. 
But I'll admit, it still happens For in sure. a lot of times that candidates apply. Sometimes the volume is just overwhelming and the demand from the business mm -hmm. is overwhelming. So if you can automate some of this rejection as much as possible. So I think we're on the so same do you, page. Do you have any tips that you want to leave for our talent acquisition practitioners out there listening? And to manage the be first or don't bother. I think you, exactly. You need to be first. So when a candidate is applying, you should be looking at your candidates at least, if you're a recruiter, at least three, four times a day, you should be looking at the candidates that have come in and doing a quick evaluation. It might be that the candidate is, you're not 100% sure, but you, you move them aside, you classify them in a different way, then when you do have time, you actually dig in deeper, and that should be within a couple of days so you can get back to that candidate. And I've always said, and we said it this last episode, if the candidate's great, Pick up the phone right away. Call them. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your time trying to book a, a screen or, or a meeting. Then you're just adding more work to your plate. If they're not available when you call them, they're not available. Then you can book it. But I'll tell you 90% of the time that doesn't happen. So right now in this market, if mm -hmm. you're waiting for your job posting to expire, you're screwed. That talent is not going to be there anymore. I think the best recruiters that I've ever worked with were extremely disciplined about their time. So at nine to nine 15 every morning, they review what's come in the last three hours. And then again, maybe at one o'clock and then again at four 30 or something, but there's very disciplined. And the other thing it, that I've always seen great practitioners do is that you look at an applicant and make a decision. Yes or no make a decision. If it's yes, you know it like you, and you pull the trigger, like you say, call them. Because I know from a candidate's perspective, if I just applied like an hour ago and you phoned me, yeah. Do you think you've got to jump on the comp on where else they've applied? Yeah. Um, and if it's no, then I love the idea of setting the rejection to happen a couple of days later. Like yeah. you're not leaving anybody hanging. I think those are two really good tips that we can leave for people. Hey. Yeah. I definitely think that there's, it's always about the candidate experience, but it's also, if we look at advice, this is where the relationships with the hiring managers are critical, setting really the expectations of how you're going to move forward with the recruitment. I get this from hiring managers even today. They'd be like, let's wait until we have three qualified candidates at our level. And I always push back. I'm like, if I'm waiting for three qualified candidates at that level, especially if I need to source them, chances are the first person I source is it's not gone. going to be available when yeah. by the time I get the other two. So move yeah. them along as quickly as possible because your chance of losing that really good candidate, it, 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 isn't it so frustrating though? They always think there's someone better and they're afraid to pull the lever thinking, who are we missing? But why uh, do yeah. that when you have that qualified person there ready to go, has gone through the process, hire them especially mm -hmm. in this economy and what we're going to see in the next year, hire them. Yeah. Um, let's talk. So another thing with hiring managers, and I think this is a good segue is, so these really weird job titles, and we've talked about job titles for a long time, but, uh, and I know like you've been doing this for 20 years. I, I can only imagine the job <laughs> titles that you've seen. So there's a couple of things when it comes to job titles, 
when you're advertising a job title that is not the norm, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage when it comes to the relevancy on LinkedIn, Indeed, or any of the job boards because basically it matches what people are actually searching for. So, so yeah, no one so is searching. Sorry. I'm going to pause you there because I think a lot of people really need to understand this when it comes to job titles. So can you like break it down for us? Like talk, talk to me like I'm in grade five. Okay. So <laughs> what does that mean when, yeah, no, like how does point. it affect my results when I'm uh, advertising a job? Okay, so say I'm I'm Mr. Client and I want to hire a senior rock star as, as an example. So yeah. unless they're working in the concrete business, rock star is probably not a good title in any way. So say you're advertising a senior rock star engineer as an example. And you post it on Indeed. A job seeker comes on Indeed and searches the title senior engineer. Where do you think you're going to show up in irrelevancy? It might, you're going to show up at one particular point because you have the engineer in the title, but instead of being in that first relevancy search, you might show up on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 28th page <laughs> just based on the title you use because what Indeed, LinkedIn, all the job boards are trying to do is really match the relevancy of what the person is looking for. If the job title is very similar, but in the industry can be called a couple different things, Lindy knows that and they, they have steps to make sure that your job and that relevancy of that job is pretty accurate. But if your title is way out of whack what's in the industry, it is going to drop you in the search function. So it gives you a massive thank disadvantage you. when people are looking for jobs. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think we forget that a lot of times. That we need to, because it's hard if you're, say you're looking for a, an engineer, that is such a big category. Yeah. And so to think more in terms of if I was looking for this job, what would I type in? If you can get out of your chair and sit in the candidate's chair and think in terms of what would I write? Not how, because I, I believe I think I know where this originates. And you remember back in the old days when you posted your job, and I think some recruiters maybe back in the 2000s, it was really popular to try and have these really snazzy taglines and yeah. stand out. But that was a different way of job seekers looking for work. And you bought your way into the top of the list, right? That's the old school way of advertising jobs and having these really catchy titles and these really catchy um, taglines, but then doesn't work anymore. That's, that's not the way search works, right? No, and that's not the way search works It's a good reminder. And so, the other thing that's really frustrating, you go into the company and you get this weird job title and now you've been in the company for a couple of years. You go look for another job, you find another job, they, they do a reference check or whatever the case is. And who is that senior ninja? That's not a role. And so they have a hard time relating. And when you're putting that on your resume, it's just confusing. So usually you change that title on your resume. Then they do a, maybe not a reference check, but employment verification, the job title's don't match, which in many organizations, they get it. It's not a big deal. 
But try doing that with the government job that they're looking and be like, no, that doesn't match exactly what you said. So you lied. You don't get the job type of thing. I'm not saying that happens, but I'm sure there's examples of that that makes it really challenging. For sure. Like I, I just looked at some recent examples. Okay. So tell me, would you know what this person does? They're a lead operations analyst tech three. What do they do? Yeah, don't use your internal <laughs> titles and how you class it because a lot of the time that is how they classified internally and yes. that's based on their HIRS and that is just not what the external world and when we think about HR being oh, yeah. so blind to what marketing is. People are not going to look for those titles. It doesn't give you an idea of what it is. It's basically a straight copy of what's in their HRS because they know, need to classify right? it because Oracle or Workday is forcing you to classify it. And then when the job titles go up, that's what they use. If you're doing that, please stop that right now. Make the job title highly relevant. And putting that in perspective, when you're posting a job too, don't put additional things like, night shift or weekend shift in the title put that in your job description maybe in yeah. the top highlighted but do not put in your job title because it's going to affect your relevancy as well and i know why they're doing it they're thinking okay we want to be upfront with people that we need graveyard shift like i get that oh totally like, I they want to be upfront with people but you're right put it at the top of the posting and maybe bold it but don't put it in the title yeah. Tell me stories about crazy job titles that uh, <laughs> you've seen. So do you know that there's an actual app you can go on and it's actually called bullshitjob.com. Bullshitjob.com. Okay. Yeah. Because I, and, and I know where things originate because we've got people who are trying to post job descriptions and they are pulling directly from the HRIS. And that's how you end up with lead operations analyst and six bullet points that say the same thing about being good at communication. <laughs> that is so ironic. I could die. But there's some really good ones. What, here's a couple of my favorites. What do you think someone who is the national paradigm planner does? I had no clue. <laughs> I have no God. clue. Swear to God. How about here's this one's actually becoming more common and I encourage our friends in HR to stop this insanity. Chief innovation officer. I don't have an issue with that one. Why do you have an issue with that one? If you can't think to, to, uh, of words to describe it, that could just be a catch-all, an absolute yeah. catch-all of what does that mean? Are you an engineer? Are you like, are you part of innovating what? Honestly, like it's, so here's the other one, any job, any time, myself included, where your job title includes the word strategic, it is the kiss of death. It, it's basically an expiry date put right <laughs> on you. Like you've got an expiry date stamped on your forehead. If you take a job that's got strategic in the title, guess who's getting cut in the next round of layoffs? <laughs> because when they're looking at you on a spreadsheet and they're like, you're a chief, you're like the chief innovation officer. There's a job we could probably cut. How about uh, strategic well, anything? It, well, if you think about this, yeah, the strategy one, usually what happens, and I've seen it so many times that, so say someone is in a senior role, they bring value, but they're just not a right fit for that particular role. Maybe it's the CHRO. And suddenly you see is, oh, they got promoted. They're now 
the chief innovation officer, as an example, usually that's they wanted her or him out of that position, so they gave him a new title and kind of this role that catches all. And basically, in the reality, that's probably not going to last long. That person's probably going to be out within six months. So yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. We see that all the time. Usually, when you're moving from a very standard job title to a very vague one, like you just mentioned,、mm -hmm. it's probably not a good sign for your career, in my opinion. <laughs> it's time to dust off your resume when you list that job title. Either you've got to have a really good description. Or you're going to be passed over because nobody understands what you do. No, exactly. Like really, and that even... can affect when you're applying for jobs as well.、Yeah. Like people see the resumes, what the hell is that title? And, and, and it depends、yeah. on how your resume is set up. But yes,、yeah, so everyone listening, what's your advice when it comes to job titles? So if we are in a position of influence, let's encourage our leaders to stay away from these vague bullshit job titles because unless it's just because you're trying to hire. Your best friend into something, and you don't really have a job for them, but you feel bad for them, <laughs> and you'll make up a job for them, which is fine if you're the if you own the company, you can do that all you want. But I think if if we are in a position to influence, and in talent acquisition, that is our job, is to make sure that we are correctly describing this opportunity, and we're not putting people at a disadvantage by changing their job title to something with strategic in it.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. So. Another great episode. A lot of tips in this episode. What you yeah,、um, what you, you have、Serge. coming up, Shelly? What do I have coming up? I think we have some pretty fun stuff coming up, Serge. We've got Innovate HR and、yeah. Innovate Works. I think we、yes. are co-host panel panel hosts for that event coming up. I think that's coming up so Thursday, April twenty ninth. Do take a look at that. We'll rock the show again. I don't know why people、mm -hmm. want us as panel moderators, but Hey, I anything to get my face in front of as many people as <laughs> just possible. Just give me the、That's、microphone. <laughs> a couple of weeks from now, I just recorded a podcast with Andrea Adams on the HR Shop Talk. So I did three episodes with her that were actually a lot of fun, and it made me realize the huge disconnect from HR people to recruitment because everything I was talking about. Was almost a complete shock to her and how recruitment is approached. So we still got a ton to to really put out in the market as far as how recruitment work and how it's separate from HR and really how to innovate recruitment. Look forward to that. We got some great guests coming up,、mm -hmm. so we'll be advertising those. So thank you, everyone, and have a great weekend.、Huh. Stay tuned. Bye now. <laughs> Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission: that through these stories, we might just spark change within you. And awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.